Welcome, my friends. Once again, I bring you greetings from the Center Church of Christ, meeting at 110 Hearst Street in Center, Texas. Oh, my goodness, we continue to appreciate the comments we receive on our visits from those of you who are listening to these lessons, and we prayerfully would ask you to encourage your friends to also take the time to visit with us and study with us on the things of God's Word. What we want you to do right now is what we always ask you to do. Stop checking that Facebook page. Ignore those incoming text messages and emails. Take just a few moments and let's visit together about the things of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. In our visits these past few weeks, we've been talking about the storms that life brings upon us and getting through those storms. In our last visit, we talked about the storm of anxiety and how often we feel overwhelmed and worried about tomorrow. I hope, sincerely, that some of the thoughts we shared were helpful to you. In our visit this week, we want to think about something else that all of us experience at some point in our lives, and that's anger. Let's be honest with ourselves and with each other, and let's admit that anger is an emotion that all of us struggle with to one degree or another. Oftentimes, navigating through the storm of anger can be a real battle for us. Now, as we think about anger, what makes you angry? How about rude clerks in the store? You know, the ones that don't ever acknowledge your presence because they're too busy talking to their co-workers. Or how about your own co-workers that always want it now? They don't care whatever else you have to do because what they want is more important than anything else. The problem with us is that Sometimes we have trouble making a distinction between anger and annoyance. <laughs> it reminds me of a story I read the other day. A young girl was writing a paper for school, and she came to her father. She had a question for him. She said, Dad, what's the difference between anger and annoyance? And her father said, Well, sweetheart, it's mostly a matter of degree. Let me show you what I mean. With that, her father went to the telephone, and he dialed a phone number at random. To the man who answered the phone, he said, Hello, is Melvin there? The man answered, There's no one living here named Melvin. Why don't you learn to look up numbers before you dial? See, said the father to his daughter, That man was not a bit happy with our call. He was probably very busy with something, and we annoyed him. Now watch. The father called the number again. Hello? Is Melvin there? asked the father. Now look here, came the heated reply. You just called this number, and I told you there's no Melvin here. You got a lot of guts calling again. The receiver slammed down hard. The father turned to his daughter and said, You see, that was anger. Now I'll show you what annoyance means. He dialed the same number. And when a violent voice on the other end roared, Hello! The father calmly said, Hello, this is Melvin. Have there been any calls for me? Actually, I think most of us can relate to Abe Lemons. Lemons was head basketball coach at the University of Texas. Athletic director to Lost Dodds was the man that fired him as the Longhorns basketball coach. Well, a reporter asked him if he was bitter at Dodds. 
Coach Lemon said, Not at all, but I do plan to buy a glass-bottomed car so I can watch the look on his face when I run over him. Now, none of us would do anything like that. But there have been people probably in our lives who that thought would bring us some pleasure. We've all been angry at some point, at someone, and wanted to get even. Let's take a quick look at some biblical examples of those that had anger issues. The Bible tells us about the first angry man. It was Cain, the man who committed the first murder. Maybe he was the father of what we call today road rage. Well, let me ask you, have you ever lost your temper? Have you ever done something in anger that you wish you hadn't done? Have you ever in anger said things you wish you'd never said? Friends, we need Jesus Christ in our lives to help us through the storm of anger. You want to talk about a man with some anger issues? Take a look at Jonah. He made a poor beginning, and he had a poor ending. Now, he was a great prophet. But when God told him to go to Nineveh and preach... He tried to flee from God and evade that commission God had given him to go to Nineveh to preach. He ends up going to Nineveh. The city of Nineveh repents at his preaching. And at the end of the story, we see Jonah in a fit of petulant anger because he didn't want or expect the wicked people of Nineveh to repent. He evidently did not want them to repent, and yet that's exactly what they did. We can read in Jonah chapter 4 and verses 1 through 3 that this unexpected turn of events displeased Jonah. But God proved he was gracious and merciful and slow to anger. And yet sparing Nineveh made Jonah feel like his preaching was discredited. Jonah goes out of the city to sit on the hill and he's in the sun and God provided him with a gourd to shield him from the sun. But the gourd was smitten with a worm, and the gourd perished. And that's when Jonah asked God to just take away his life. God asked Jonah in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 9, if Jonah really had any right to be angry. You see, friends, an angry man, he can't see the truth. Jonah shows us how the character of a good and great man can be marred by anger and his usefulness can be impaired. Anger causes us to not be able to see things as they really are. Anger causes us to become unreasonable and blind to the truth. Jonah's story suggests the folly, the danger, and the injury of anger. And yet men and women are not always as long-suffering as God. We do not always return the soft answer that God did. I'm reminded of a story from the latter 19th century. A Russian nobleman was invited to the state of Alfred Lord Tennyson. Early one morning, the nobleman took off with his dogs and his guns and servants to go hunting. He returned at midday and told Tennyson that he had shot two peasants. Tennyson corrected him and said, You mean pheasants? He said, No peasants. They were insolent, so he shot them. 
My friends, anger is one of the most common of sins. It's also one of the most dangerous and injurious to the peace and well-being of mankind. There have been great men who have been injured by anger. Balaam was one of the most gifted and eloquent men of the Old Testament. And yet in Numbers chapter 22 and verses 22 through 29, we have a tragic picture of a man losing his temper. The real trouble in that story, if you're familiar with it, and if not, I'd ask you to go and read it. But the real trouble in that story is not with the animal, but with Balaam. The angel of the Lord was there to rebuke him and to judge him. The story shows us that the individual most violent in their anger at someone else really ought to be angry with themselves. Moses was another great man that was injured by anger. The children of Israel murmured and asked for water. God commanded Moses to speak to the rock at Horeb in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 7. In a burst of anger, Moses instead smote the rock, and that burst of anger cost him his entrance into the promised land. When an individual becomes angry, a wise friend can do them a great service. We should take the attitude of God Himself. God reasoned with Cain. He went out to talk to the elder brother in Luke chapter 15, and he said to Jonah, Why do you have the right to be angry? Grievous words stir up strife. A soft answer turneth away wrath. You might or not might not remember it from your American history classes, but at the Battle of New Orleans during the War of 1812, Andrew Jackson used bales of cotton to stop cannonballs. Can you imagine? Something as soft as cotton stopping a cannonball. We must follow the example of Jesus Christ our Lord as recorded by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. He writes, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in His steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, reviled not again, when He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judges righteously. Maybe those words would be plainer for us from Philip's translation rather than in the King James translation. Here's Philip's translation. For Christ suffered for you and left you a personal example and wants you to follow in His steps. Who committed no sin, nor was guile found in His mouth. Yet when He was insulted, He offered no insult in return. When he suffered, he made no threats of revenge. He simply committed his cause to the one who judges fairly. If Jesus is to be our example, and if we are to overcome anger, we must make Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of our lives. If Jesus is not the Master of all of your life, then Jesus is not Master at all in your life, my friend. You can make Jesus the Master of your life, by coming to Him in simple trusting faith, repenting of everything that's sin in your life, confessing His name before men and being buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins. That, my friends, is the simple process that makes you a Christian. Nothing more than a Christian, nothing less than a Christian, and nothing else. 
just a simple New Testament Christian, doing things just like they did on Pentecost in Acts 2, just as the eunuch did in Acts 8, and just like that jailer in Philippi did in Acts chapter 16. Oh my, we would love to assist you in your obedience to Jesus Christ. We'd love to have that opportunity if you'd give it to us. We hope you're enjoying the opportunity for us to visit together about the things of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. We would invite you to come and worship with us at the Center Church of Christ this coming Lord's Day. We love you. The Lord who died for you loves you. We want you to go to heaven. Our time is gone. So until this next time, may the Lord richly bless and keep you. That's our prayer in Jesus' name.